It's WrestleMania week, which means a lot of WrestleMania debates are happening right now. And one that I've seen a lot on Twitter is which is the greatest WrestleMania match of all time. And while you could throw so many out there, I see a lot of common ones. Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker at WrestleMania 25. Bret Hart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania 13. So, Ralph, we are going to settle this debate once and for all. The greatest WrestleMania match of all time. You're a Bret guy. I'm a Shawn guy. So I already know where this is going. What's your pick for the greatest WrestleMania match of all time? Okay, so let, let me start with this disclosure. I, I, I may be a Brett guy, and I certainly may have been an Austin guy, and I know you were definitely the bigger Sean fan growing up. Right. We just recorded an episode where I, we literally talked about not appreciating people and their body of work until after they're gone. That is me and with Shawn Michaels. I hated, hated, hated Shawn Michaels, which rightfully so. He's the chicken shit prick heel that you're supposed to hate at times in his career, but... Definitely grew to appreciate a guy like Shawn Michaels, who is dubbed Mr. WrestleMania for a reason. That's why we're having this conversation. Now, the important thing, which match was better? On any given day, depending on my mood, I could give you one or the other, to be quite mm -hmm. honest with you. After watching both back for the, the sake of this recording, I'm going with Austin and Bret Hart. That match to me, and what I value in pro wrestling, is a match that won comes across as a contest between two guys that are going out there and literally trying to have a competition. Like they're convincing the fan as me as the fan that this is a, a real fight. Um, and that's mostly because those are two guys that are so good at what they do that everything, just everything they're doing looks real. Not to say that Sean and undertaker didn't, but it was a fight. It relied more on psychology, which I think sometimes, especially in today's pro wrestling, there isn't as much investment in the psychology of a match. Undertaker and Sean certainly had psychology, but to me, when I think back to where the kicking out of the finisher kind of originated and relying on that and going back to that, this match might have been the match where fans look at that or, or, or younger wrestling, younger wrestlers look to that and they're like, okay, I'm going to rely on that because that's a formula that worked. That formula worked for Undertaker and Sean because they had established the tombstone, the last ride, the super kick, the choke slam over years and years and years and protected the fact that nobody kicks out of those finishers or very rarely do. It happened a lot in that match. And I think that may have influenced today's pro wrestling or a lot of the, what you see in today's pro wrestling to say, we'll just kick out of a bunch of finishers and then that will get the fans into it. Does it work from time to time? Yes, but does it get repetitive? Absolutely. Austin and Brett to me, stands the test of time as just a straight up competition between two guys that went out there and kicked the crap out of each other with the epic finish. And Ken Shamrock was involved in all this stuff. So um, both great. I'm going with Austin and Brett though. You know, I was watching these back and forth, you know, right before we were recording and I texted you and I said, after watching these, I just have, I, I can't make a decision. They're just that damn good. These matches yeah. and being a Sean guy, you would think I lean towards Sean and Taker, which I will. I'll lean towards that. And I'll tell you why. And you kind of brought it up. Today's wrestling use this match as a template for how a great wrestling match works today. How are we yeah. going to get that? This is awesome. chant? How are we going to get that? Holy shit. chant? how are we going to get, you know, the big pops in matches. And you look at this match. Now, the reason why this match worked as you brought up is because it was established ahead of time. No one kicked out of Sweet Chin Music. 
No one kicked out of the tombstone. No one kicked out of the last ride. But, and on top of that, the commentary. As a guy, uh, yeah, yeah. as a guy that will always appreciate good commentary, you can have a, the greatest match in the world, but if you have crappy commentary, I will tune out of it. If there's a match that Jim Ross has where you're like, what's the greatest match he ever called? This is it. He has yep. the greatest match, like greatest commentary he's ever done in this match with the greatest call when the tombstone is hit for the first time and Sean kicks out at two and a half and you see the face. And another thing that people don't do today. The cinematography. The, well, the cinematography yeah, too. The, can, the, ca the camera work. The, the, camera. the camera work, the cinematography, but also the little details, the facial features. There's so many guys that just don't do that anymore. And when Undertaker looks defeated, that Sean kicked out of the tombstone and Jim Ross just shouts out, I just had an out-of-body experience. A perfectly well-executed spot from camera work, commentary, facial features, and the selling in this match. Selling the, each blow where Undertaker flies over the top rope, hits the cameraman, nearly kills himself because he lands on his head. Shawn Michaels yeah. missing the moonsault, gets spiked onto the ground, and they sell that for like, maybe to the point it was maybe overselling. That doesn't happen anymore. A guy does a tope suicida through the barricade, and they're up and they're like, okay, I'm fine. That doesn't yeah. happen anymore. No, they let they let it breathe. Yes. They let every moment breathe. And that's what's that's certainly just talking strictly about Sean and Undertaker, despite them kicking out of the finishers and the big spots and all this stuff. First of all, going back to the crowd, this was long before there was ever a this is awesome chant mm -hmm. or any of those other annoying things that you're gonna hear from the crowd. Yes. Which, you know, it's cool to see fans invested in it, but it was before that. It just felt like it was uh Similar to like Rock and Hogan, like an atmosphere where fans just truly appreciated what they were seeing because they knew that they were witnessing something special between right. two of the best to do it. Now, with this match, they let all of those big spots breathe despite them being down for several minutes or however long. If a move is truly that impactful, that's what you'd expect to happen. Mm -hmm. You don't want somebody getting like... Uh, you know, thrown off the top rope through a table and then the next second they're standing up are thrown in a pile of thumbtacks and then they're no selling it, which you see a lot in pro wrestling today, unfortunately. Commentary, I agree with you 100%. Jim Ross, if you're going to go back and look at like a match where the commentary was just so on point and the storytelling was so fluid along with the commentary, this is probably Jim Ross, one of Jim Ross's best matches with that call. Even like if you want to go into it, the Undertaker, who's supposed to be this mystical figure, the face he made when he Sean kicked out of his finisher, the the tombstone, you're seeing him become human in that moment. Mm -hmm. And Jim Ross, I think the next thing after he said the out of uh, out of body experience part, he said something like, you know, the eyes tell a story that we could never tell or a better story than we could ever tell something along those lines. So commentary, amazing, certainly better than, you know, the Vince McMahon <laughs> that you got on commentary with the what a maneuver. Yeah. Oh boy! Yeah, all that, all that crazy over-the-top stuff. Was it bad? Uh, it wasn't great. That's kind of like what we grew up with initially. It's basically, again, it's basically Excalibur today, where he's kind of over the top and he plays commentator, but he's not a commentator kind of thing. Vince was like that in yeah. the mid '90s, where he tried to play commentator, but he was not a commentator. I think what kind of helps the argument for this being a better match than Sean and Taker was heading into the match. Austin 
and Brett had a feud already going, and this was the payoff to that feud. Yeah. Like it was going back to the fall of 96 and their match at Survivor Series that Brett caught a quick one. Royal Rumble 97, where Brett should have won, but Austin snuck back in without the refs noticing. He eliminates him and ends up winning the Royal Rumble. They had that fatal four-way match to determine the next champion. The, the whole outburst and like real time that we saw crybaby Bret Hart after that cage match on Raw. Yeah. And we saw the double turn. That definitely helped with that match and why it's so good. Commentary, though, while Vince wasn't that good, Jim Ross had a couple good lines where Bret hit Austin with the bell and he said, Oh, he just rung Austin's bell or bringing up, you know, the pilmanizing. They were going to do the pilmanizing spot where Brett was yeah. going to get the come up. It's on Austin. Good throwbacks like that. That definitely helps in the selling of why this is the greatest WrestleMania match of all time. Psychology. You kind of brought this up too. You watch that match. And the word that comes to mind to me is perfect. It's a perfect match. Perfect psychology, perfect storytelling, perfect execution on moves. Okay, commentary might have not have been perfect, but good enough. But everything else is just perfect in that match. And the finish was perfect. It's kind of crazy to think, and, and Austin kind of mentioned this, but obviously, maybe not so much at this point in his career, but later on in his career, he was limited to what he could do because he had a neck issue, his knees were, were blown out and all that type of stuff. Austin kind of gets like a knock on him from some fans that he was not like a technical wrestler or wasn't like technically sound in the ring. And I know that people say that, but it's not like he was like a, a Hulk Hogan. And I think this match is a good example of that. Like Austin was a very technically sound wrestler, even when you compare him to like today's like, all right, let's look at a match like CM Punk and uh, Dax, right? From, mm -hmm. from this past Dynamite. Yeah. That match to me stood out, and that was a match that I loved because it was so technically sound, because it was a match to me that was just so different from anything you're going to see today. It was an old school professional wrestling match, which I loved. It just shows you that that still works. CM Punk and Dax proved like you can go out there and just have a regular traditional pro wrestling match without all the crazy dives and flips and, and rely on psychology and technical ability, and it's going to work. This match did the same thing. It stands the test of time because Austin and Brett were so technically sound, which is, you know, going back and going back to like some of the guys that I used to love, like growing up, like your Kurt Angles, Chris Benoit, Bret Hart. I mean, that's why I like these guys because it, it, it felt like it was more of a competition. Like it was mm -hmm. so technically sound and smooth and that this match as gritty and dirty as it got at points it was still great because of the technicality between the two. Right. Now, I think there was psychology in both matches. You know, you see, yes. you see Shawn Michaels giving the figure four leg lock early on in the match to try to take away the power from The Undertaker so he can't do the choke slam. He can't do the tombstone. He can't, you know, get up and, you know, have that power necessary. Well, you look at this match with Brett and Austin, every move had a reason. You know, you see... Austin working Brett's back and having like four straight moves that attack the back and eventually see him pull out the Boston Crab. Brett Hart attacks Austin's knee, more specifically his left knee, which was at the time the only one that had a knee brace. So psychology definitely played a role in, in both matches. But I think what takes Sean and Austin, or excuse me, Sean and Taker to that next level is that 
there were things done in that match at that time you weren't really conditioned to seeing. Did Undertaker go over the top rope and dive on people at times? Yes, we've seen it before, but it wasn't like he was doing that on a weekly basis so that when he did it, it was like, oh my God, I can't believe he just did that. And he's doing elbow drops off the top rope. And Shawn Michaels is doing things that he doesn't usually do. We don't usually see him doing figure four leg locks and submissions to try to take down The Undertaker. With Austin and Brett, most of the stuff they were doing, you typically saw outside of a couple submissions from Austin because Austin was not a submissions wrestler, but it was a submission match. So he had to, had to win somehow. So I think that kind of helps with Sean and Taker because they had to do things they're not used to doing in order to win that match. One of the things that was so surprising because with the undertaker, he had the streak going right. Mm-hmm. And with, with the undertaker and Sean, they were always two guys that people looked up to. Sean certainly had a reputation for having amazing matches at WrestleMania, but the undertaker kind of had a reputation for the streak, but the matches themselves were nothing to write home on. Right. Cause right. Prior to that, I mean, prior to this match, this is this would start the three, four, five-year stretch of Undertaker having great matches at WrestleMania between his two with Shawn, his matches with, with Triple H, and whatever else. Um, but before this, Undertaker did have some really bad matches at, at WrestleMania with quite a few people to, to keep the streak active. Granted, so, granted it's um, not his fault. Like, the people he was having no, no, matches I, I, with, no. you know, it didn't really yeah. help his cause. No, I, I, and, and that's kind of, like, one of my main points, like, if you look at a list of wrestlers, even, even though Steve Austin was not like the guy that we would come to see as Stone Cold Steve Austin, the biggest star at that time, you knew pretty much that you were probably going to get a really good match out of Brett and Steve Austin. Um, Undertaker and Sean, while you, know, you probably could say, okay, this was going to be a great match, I think it's more like hindsight type thing because you, know, you didn't really get it from Undertaker at least certainly not at that level mm-hmm. uh, right? as, as, as often as you got it from like Sean uh, or from Bret Hart or Stone Cold Steve Austin. So I think that kind of caught people by surprise, which is fine because again, you had the fans so invest, they had the fans in the palm of their hands. Yes. Um, and you didn't, you don't always get that with, with WrestleMania matches. Sometimes that's because the crowd is burnt out. Sometimes matches just don't live up to expectation like AJ and Nakamura, just as an example. Um, but either way, they, they all kind of stole the show here. Right. So I know we basically said, I'm taking Sean and Taker, you're taking Brett and Austin, but are there any other matches that you think off the top of your head could kind of be in this discussion with these two? Not, I mean, I, I mean, I think you got to bring up Savage and Steamboat is definitely in the conversation. TLC match of the triangle ladder matches from the Hardys, Dudleys and Edge and Christian. I think also Hogan and the Rock. Any of the Rock and Austin matches, I think. But I mean, there's definitely matches that are that are up that I would say are up there as best, not the best, but better WrestleMania matches. Kurt, uh, so talking about Shawn Michaels, Kurt Angle and Shawn Michaels, yep. Chris Jericho and Shawn Michaels, um, Shawn Michaels, Triple H and Chris Benoit, uh, Daniel Bryan and Triple H. Those are all great WrestleMania matches. Brett and Owen. Um, CM Punk and Undertaker was also a very good match. I just watched that match again not too long ago. Uh, Brett and Owen, yes. Bret Hart and Roddy Piper. Yep. I mean, for as bad as some of the WrestleMania matches are, mm-hmm. and rightfully so, people, you know, you could justify them as being bad matches. 
there are a lot, a lot of matches in over the history of, of WrestleMania that you can point to and say, these are great pro wrestling matches. Yep. I mean, you could make the argument that these two matches that we're talking about today aren't just great WrestleMania matches, but they are the greatest wrestling match ever. And I know we did an episode a while back where we compared Sean and Taker at WrestleMania 25 to Okada Omega at Dominion and try to debate which one was the greatest wrestling match ever. And, you know, people still watch that episode that we did. And yeah. I think having these kind of debates is what's great about this because there's no right or wrong answer. And even today, like I said, we could flip-flop tomorrow. And I could say Brett and yeah. Austin, you could say Sean and Taker, you know? And I think, like I said, this kind of goes back to another episode we recently did where I said that today's WWE AEW tribalism really is just a debate over if you're a Sean guy or a Brett guy. And you can watch that episode right now by clicking the thumbnail on the screen. Let us know which match you think is the greatest WrestleMania match ever in the comments below. Share this all over social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, SCPB Podcast. Subscribe, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Psycho Babble.